Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungi here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Tyler Fornes. With me, as always, is Fred Moreland. Fred, uh, I think you have to answer for your crimes. Becky Lynch couldn't get an answer correct on Jeopardy. I need you to explain how that impacts your Hall of Fame candidacy. <laughs> well, I, th- I, th- I think she did well on, uh, what was it, The Weakest Link a few years ago, right? I th- I, if I recall correctly. Uh but uh, it sounds like I didn't watch the episode, but it sounds like she just got blitzed off the board by Macaulay Culkin and uh, the actress who played Debbie Downer on SNL, whose name I can't recall. Um, Rachel Dratch? Yeah, Rachel Dratch. Like, they just dominated the game. Uh, Lynch got five buzzes in the first two rounds of the game, uh, Double Jeopardy, uh, through Double Jeopardy, and uh, missed all five, and then just like didn't get another chance to buzz in basically uh they have some they have triple jeopardy now which i have no idea what's going on with that because again i haven't watched it in like months uh wait but what's triple jeopardy? i know i don't i like i said i don't know i haven't I, I i have literally no idea i was like is this a typo for the final jeopardy but no it's a separate thing i don't know this is an insult to alex trebek how dare they He's been in like a rotisserie chicken right now. Um, <laughs> Kid Jennings is a scab anyway. So, um, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, but rough, rough night. Uh, but man, Jeopardy's hard. Uh, I've heard lots of stories about people going on there and freezing. And that's why I've never tried to do it because I don't want to like, you know, completely expose my ass and just be like, oh, I actually don't know anything. So. Yeah, well, you don't know anything, and that that's oh, going to well. become more apparent as this show goes How dare on. you? Um, I do want to share this one piece uh, because it, it, I think it's phenomenal, and you live in the heart of uh, Kentucky. How far are you from Bowling Green? Uh, a couple hours, actually. I've never been. Um, it's way out west. Okay, so earlier this week on Tuesday, we had some good old maction with yes. Toledo and Bowling Green, and Toledo pulled out a win 32-31 with a two-point conversion on their last touchdown after being down 14. Nice. But that's that's not the crux of the story. The crux of the story is Toledo are the Rockets. They have a rocket aimed to hit the 50-yard line of Bowling Green's football field in front of the stadium. Yeah. How sick is that? That is wild. Got to love these small-town rivalries. Um, since we're doing the college football thing, let's talk Pac-12 a little bit. 
because um, I think some extremely interesting off the field stuff happened where uh, basically everyone that's not Oregon State or Washington State, the two most rural schools in the conference, uh, were like, well, we're good, bye, and decided to go join either the Big Ten or the ACC, um, leaving Oregon State and Washington State holding the bag. And you know, what they wanted to do on the way out was basically take all the conference's money, uh, these, these 10 teams leaving, and uh, put it towards, like, any fees or, you know, they may have for switching conferences or just, you know, taking it. And uh, the bylaws of the conference say, once you announce your intention to leave the conference, uh, you, you can't vote on any Pac-12 matters. And they took it before a judge, and the judge is like, yeah, it says this. Now, don't just, like, you know, it mildly chastised Oregon and Washington State to to uh, not, like, be greedy or whatever, which, you know. Um, but, yeah, so uh, this is kind of a little uh, karmic justice in a way for the bigger schools trying to leave them standing in the cold. Um, and, you know, I, I think uh, Oregon State's actually in position this weekend to ruin uh, the University of Washington's attempt at, a, you know, making the championship playoff. Uh, which would be even better for them. And uh, I don't know. I kind of hope they do because it sucks. Yeah. Um, listen, the one thing that really sucks about this whole Pac-12 thing is Pac-12 after dark is one of my favorite things in the world. Um, there's some wild football that goes on late on Saturday nights. And, yeah, we're, we get that with the Mountain West and our King Jake Hayner, who, uh, who played for Fresno State for a few years as a fourth-round pick of the Saints, he was the guy that we kind of all gravitated to during that time. And it's just going to be weird to not have Pac-12 after dark. Big Ten after dark and ACC after dark just doesn't hit the same. No. It just doesn't. And I'm I'm sad to see it go. Uh, and it, honestly, we there's a lot of talk about East Coast bias. If this was an East Coast conference, there's no fucking chance that this happens and it's really sad uh, yeah now then uh, again uh larry scott did a terrible job managing the conference as commissioner oh of course um, and probably basically killed it uh with poor decisions made several years ago um but yeah it sucks and i hate it and um you know they're already trying to position the college football playoff to exclude anything that might rise up from the pac-12 to make sure that those schools are you know put into the have-nots portion well that's not entirely true fred because this came um a couple days ago uh the college football playoff has been finalized with its structure the top five conference champions and seven at-large berths so yeah but i I, i'm saying that that's bad for them because when it was six six which is what it originally was it would have been more likely to include whatever became of the new pac-12 but this is a five-seven structure where it's uh, just the five conference champions instead of six is uh, is the bigger schools uh, uh, consolidating power and making sure that you know that's another SEC or Big Ten school more likely to get in versus uh, a smaller conference school. Well, I'll say this because it's the top five conferences. If it were the top five conferences this year, the Pac-12 would be included. Now, wherever Oregon State and Washington State end up, it will end up being essentially the Pac-12. So the, the Mountain West is a really good conference as a whole that 
will the inclusion of the uh, Washington State and Oregon State programs make it significantly better? I, I genuinely don't know, but I think there's reason to be hopeful that it will massively improve the conference. Like, And getting a, a solid television deal, I think, will be really important, too, because you now have more cachet. Yeah, you don't have UCLA and Oregon, but if the Mountain West, I think they're getting something like 10 million million a year. Maybe they get $25 million a year because there's more prestige, better talent, and I think all that matters long-term. But I, I don't really know what to think of it completely, but I'm – cautiously optimistic and I, I like how they basically just said hey screw all you guys yeah i i think the college football playoff thing is bad news for them and for basically anyone that's not among the elite already and uh, they're kind of pulling the ladder up after themselves and uh, i think that's bad for the sport but uh college football is littered with uh decisions that are bad for the sport um you know, I was I was away from the show, Tyler, when uh, Kirk Ferentz, or I should say Brian Ferentz, uh, got told he was not coming back as the offensive coordinator. And I, I'm mildly, uh, I feel like we kind of got ripped off ever so slightly because we didn't get go through the full uh, nonsense with the, uh, you know, the, the point tracking. Yeah. Well, did we make it through all twelve games? No. But, geez. He had no chance to get there. It no, he didn't. But I wanted I wanted to watch him fail before he completely failed. What this was I, important to me. Oh yeah, one of my favorite parts about this whole thing is there's a uh, Twitter account on uh, called Sicko's Committee where it's just mm-hmm. a- embracing the the um, ugly that is college football, and they did the whole you know Price is Right gimmick where you like I don't know it's like the, the, the climber or whatever. Yeah. The, the mountain with, climber, I forget with what it the was. music and everything, it was just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah, Iowa sucks. Um, well, if no, they, they don't. A, their if, offense sucks. If they had a capable offense, like I'm talking, like NCAA average, like 65th in the country, they could maybe win the Big Ten, not just the Big Ten West, but their offense is like 130th. Yeah, they are. It's atrocious. real bad. <laughs> Uh, I will always remember the press conference or interview or whatever it was where Brian Ferentz was uh, being asked about, you know, hey, uh, what's your offensive philosophy? And he was like, well, I think it's actually good when you have a bad offense because uh, that that, uh, gives your defense more uh, opportunity to shine. It's like, you know, (laughs) I'm not real sure that the math is checking out there, man. <laughs> yeah, it, he's he's just something else, man. Uh yeah, it's uh Yeah, you I kind of wonder if Kirk Ferentz is going to be around next year too. But uh if I had to bet money, I would say he wasn't uh he was uh clearly unhappy with the uh the decision um with the little statement he put out afterwards. And uh I mean, the person who made this decision, she's the interim, technically the interim athletic director. It sounds like it's her job uh, long-term in all but name right now. But uh, to, like, be feeling yourself enough to go against this guy who basically runs the school and has for decades and uh, dump his fail son um, is, uh, hey, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's... uh. 
football's fun, man. Football is fun. Um, let we should get to the wrestling though, Fred. Um, I think we got to start here. Kota Bushi is all elite. Yes, uh, good old shot, Kota Bushi. Um, he is. He got the graphic on the twitters, um, and uh, you know it's kind of hard to be too excited. <laughs> right now because for me uh just because he does not look good in general um and uh i you know i i figure he'll probably just show up like five times a year or something and it's not like a big deal but coda i think really got wrecked by that shoulder injury and uh i he's i just at this point i just kind of think he'll never be the same i'd love to see him back to anything close to full strength uh, because I mean, he was still great like before he got hurt in that G1 final, and then you know, accused New Japan of being affiliated with Yakuza. Um, but I'm just not real optimistic that that's going to happen. Yeah, um, I was really worried about him in that tag match because he was moving like a crater, it was rough, it was real rough. Yeah. Um, is he going to be able to? find any sort of sustained success i genuinely don't know and that's it's kind of sad and kind of scary because kota ibushi was one of the best for yeah. a decade plus and to see him like this just it hurts my soul it's like he got a like a monster got him and trained all his talent almost um like i'm not really gonna rag him on the uh you know the weak pipe shots while riding the bike because that's a goofy spot and you know it's uh, not exactly the easiest to pull off, but it's still it was still not great, and uh, it was the the rest of the match that wasn't exactly great, except for when he took a bump directly on his neck. He's still able to do that really well. <laughs> the the inadvisable thing. Coda, coda, coda. He he will always be our little psycho. Um, so this is interesting, and this came from Sean Rossap of Fightful. Uh, says that neither CM Punk or Britt Baker are the devil, and the people who beat up the Acclaim last week are actual members of whatever, whatever group is associated with the devil. Fred, I think it's the kingdom, and Adam Cole's the devil. I, I, it could be something completely different. Is that who what? you think? Is that who you think the devil is? Yes, Fred. I okay. think it's Adam Cole. I thought it was Adam Cole for a long time, but then like the the guys who were in the spandex or whatever, masks beating the other guys up. Yeah, you could you could tell that it kind of looks like the kingdom. Yeah. I think I think this is just a long con and yeah, Adam Cole is the devil. Too. He's not actually hurt. He's it, yeah, he got an ankle sprain, but to me, it's like, yeah, you didn't break your foot, buddy. I, I, I really doubted that. Um, and I think Adam Cole is going to reveal himself to be the devil. And then maybe we can get out of this absolute bullshit with Adam. Adam. Odie's looking at me like, what in the world are you doing, Dad? Yeah, that's exactly what we think every single show, Odie. Yeah. I think this Eclair. is been... no, no, honey. She uh, Eclair can't see. 
Oh, and she's she's pulling at a my monitor. Let me give, keep going. Okay, uh, I'll take care of it. Um, yeah, this has been a. Uh, I I think this storyline has contributed to. I think AEW's uh, definitely took a hit this year. I think they're much. Uh, they lost popularity, and they're a hundred percent colder than they were even a year ago. And uh, and I think that uh, the the MJF storylines failures is a huge, huge aspect of that. I can't really be understated. And I think all this, uh, you know, Roderick next strong Roderick strong nonsense is a major problem with it. Um, you know, and I could go on about the MGF storylines this year. I mean, the best one was Brian Danielson and it was like version three of the make the baby face go through a gauntlet of matches. Now I'm not going to complain about getting like weekly Brian Danielson matches on my TV. That was pretty awesome because he's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So kind of just, is what it is you know i think we're just gonna deal with limping along to this and uh i really do think that they missed their chance to make this turn happen and uh and have a big impact at uh all in and what we have left is trying to salvage it and frankly i'm kind of at the point where i think they should at least be considering just a little bit but considering just outright pulling the plug um, it is not a success, and I think it's hurting the company. Uh, I will say, at least this past Dynamite was not a MGF Poochie episode where he was all over the show to a ridiculous uh, amount, and uh, that's a plus. But in general, yeah, just still, still not working. No, it is not working. Um, while I was taking care of my dog, did you? Um, do you have any, t- did you give any takes on who you think the devil is? I think it's Adam Cole. I agree with you. Um, I would be surprised if it was someone else at this point. Um, I guess it could be Roderick strong. I think that would be very surprising to position him as the next big bad for MJF. Um, I guess Samoa Joe is a possibility, but I don't really see it. Uh, it doesn't really make that much sense to me when Joe is just kind of openly antagonizing him already. Um, and I don't know. I can't really think of anyone else that's really a viable candidate. Um, you know, there have been rumors that like Sammy Callahan is coming in. And I think if it's him, that would be a huge misstep. Um, he's just not a, just to me, I don't think he's really an AEW main eventer, uh, like from day one. Um, I think he's probably on the wrong side of, uh, I assume he's over 40 at this point, um, but the wrong side of that age to uh, really be like a guy you can build up. He's only 36. That's a surprise. Good on you, Sam McCallan, um, for being younger than I thought. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, storyline sucks, and uh, I'm kind of at the point where I'm not really invested in who the devil is. Yeah. Well, it they have really not given a crap about the storyline, and it just seems to um, evolve based on oh, we haven't talked about this in a while, and not yes. actually ha- having any form of coherent week to week storytelling. And man, that didn't used to be the case with this company, and no, we're going to talk more about it with the heat check coming up. But it just sucks. What do you- 
yeah, it's it's a real letdown. Real letdown. Um, Let's, speaking of letdowns, how about Jim Ross's podcast? Said on his <laughs> podcast that he'll be missing a few more weeks of TV due to a radiation wound from his skin cancer treatment. Look, if it's just a wound uh, from his treatment and not cancer coming back, I'd say that that's a really big win because skin cancer, it it's weird because skin cancer doesn't sound like it would be as bad, but skin cancer can be really, really, really brutal. So if it's just a wound, that uh, that sounds like a better than a reoccurrence to me. So uh, all the best to Jim. Yeah, he is... Um... Yeah, it's it's you know it's not even the cancer at this point. It's the treatment that took care of the cancer is healing from that, and that can be a, uh, a very much an issue, and uh, it sucks. And I hope he heals up soon. But wishing him the best. Absolutely. And so this is interesting. Chris Jericho was burnt from a firework in Kenny Omega's entrance. I guess it makes sense. He was kind of right by the fireworks. Um, yeah, it's. I'm guessing it's not too bad because he wrestled the match. But uh, like burns are all relative. You can burn yourself from touching a hot pan. You can burn yourself from being lit on fire, and then there's everything in between. So hopefully it's it's not too bad, and it was just like an ow kind of burn. Yeah, uh, hopefully. Yeah, it was just a minor one. Um, impressive that he worked the match afterwards. Uh, Hopefully he heals up well from that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Daniel Garcia says this is a contract year uh, for him to, quote, the walkway to fight club podcast. Yeah. Um, it, it's If it's a contract year, hey, maybe you have him do something other than dance, please. I hope we get a big storyline with him. I thought he was really getting over last year, but I feel like I've said that like, eight times this year, at least on the podcast. So Um, he deserves better. He's a, he's a great worker, I think. So he really is. Uh, He's one of the best wrestlers up and comers in the world. And he's, he's like stupidly young. He's either 24, 26. He's got a lot, a lot to look forward to. And I hope he sticks around, but, with the way things are going, who can blame him if he doesn't? Yeah. Uh, this is a pro Daniel Garcia podcast. and Very uh, big pro Daniel Garcia podcast. This fella, he deserves a, a big opportunity in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, MJF has an executive producer credit on the Iron Claw. Um, so he was supposed to be, I believe it was Lance Von Eric, And so, uh, there were there was some that had already gotten to, to see the movie that said he wasn't in it. So I, I'm curious if like how that ends up manifesting when we end up watching it is maybe be just a big guy in the background. And he was really brought in for the executive producer credit. And I I'm, I'm intrigued to see what that looks like. Yeah. I think it's uh, equally likely that he just has a background part and is not really featured or focused on or is in a scene kind of quickly. Um, it was funny to see him mentioned on like a, uh, up and coming actors list uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> on, I forget which site that was, but I was like, well, this is ambitious, but I guess we'll see. Um, uh, it, that movie is getting a lot of positive press right now. So 
I told my wife she's going to come with me to see it, and she's going to cry. She's like, it's a wrestling movie? I'm like, yeah. The, you, do, you, do you know the story about the Von Erich? She said, no. I'm like, you will soon. Yeah, it's uh, it's made for Hollywood in a very not positive way. Um, uh, and uh, Brian Cage and Melissa Santos had another baby, a happy little baby boy named uh, Logan in true Brian Cage fashion. Uh, I can only hope he's drawing uh, the, the Wolverine sideburns on the kid's face right now with a marker. Uh, but congratulations to the happy couple and wishing them all the best. Absolutely. And look, uh, little machines in about 20 years could be really fun to watch in, the, in pro wrestling. So um, congratulations to Brian they, they, and Melissa. They, I think they would be micro machines. Um, <laughs> now we have to talk about mysteries um, other than the devil, fortunately. But Oh, um, are you talking about the the wrestler who's going to come sign the contract? Yeah, they're uh, talking about having a big name come in of an unspecified gender um, to uh, who who Tony Khan uh, said was one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what that is. Um, I called him one of the best wrestlers in the world, a pro who is known and respected by virtually every AEW fan. They will come to LA to sign their contract this Saturday, November 18th, on pay-per-view at AEW Full Gear. Uh, It's very intriguing to see who that'll be. Um, Again, I do think it is noticeable, uh, not necessarily indicative, but noticeable that uh, they did not use, you know, gendered pronouns there. He said they. Um, So... Is it Mercedes Monet? Is it um, uh, Katsuhika Nakajima? Uh, God, I would pop for Nakajima. I don't think uh, it's Nakajima. I don't think so either. Um, I, I would guess it's Monet. Is it Will Ospreay who is coming in somehow several months earlier than his reported contract uh, end date with New Japan? Um, seems unlikely. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I saw someone pitch Dolph Ziggler, and I hope to God it's not. Um, not really a knock on Dolph Ziggler. And it's not even like I don't want Dolph Ziggler in the company at all. It's just that, one, uh, this would be pretty high on the Tony Khan major announcement letdown list. Hey, I, I, I want to counter here because I think it's important. I do think that if it's Dolph, remember the Christian Cage announcement? Yeah, like the Christian Cage announcement felt like this massive letdown. Well, it turned out pretty damn good. So if it ends up being a Dolph Ziggler and Dolph wants to come in and care about pro wrestling, I'm for it. But I don't think it's Dolph. Um, I think it's one of two people, and I tweeted about it last night. I think it's either Mercedes Monet. Like Monet just makes a lot of sense. She was already going to work with the company a little bit and do a match at Forbidden Door. Like... Yeah, that you can link link things together. The other option, he's returning this weekend at West Coast Pro, Chris Hero. And you know what? Los Angeles, it's at the Kia Forum. He debuts with AEW, goes and wrestles uh, Timothy Thatcher on Sunday. Look, it could be. And... 
but it does really feel like the way that Tony laid this out, it's somebody who has wrestled in WWE and the wild card here, somebody that Brian Danielson loves Mustafa Ali. Yep. That's another one. Uh, I, you know, do you think Ali would be seen as a disappointment early on? I will say the way Tony framed this, he's like a, a star that most AEW fans would know. I think most, everyone is what he said, literally. Yeah. Um, if it's if people if the the Sasha stands build themselves up to think it's Mercedes and it's not, I think you're going to get some backlash. Personally, like I don't have any issue with it being Mustafa. I don't think it'll be a big deal. Like he's a talented worker. Yeah, I think he'd. Um, I think he would do pretty well in AEW. The problem would be where exactly would he be pushed? Um, AEW's kind of become to me a company over the past few months where uh, I'm less like I think it's really hard for you to come in as a new signing and be put in. Uh, how do I want to phrase this? It's not be put in the right position. It's if you're not already a major star to some extent. Um, like at least Adam Copeland level, uh, you're going to struggle to find a spot unless they have something specific in mind for you, uh, especially on the men's side. Um, and I think that's um, that's a major issue, I think. Um, like, you know, I, I brought up Nakajima and you brought up Ali. Uh, I think both guys would be uh, damn good in AEW if given the chance. But, you know, if they were brought in, would you be shocked if in six months they were just doing nothing matches on Ring of Honor? I don't know if anything would shock me with this company anymore, Fred. I, I really don't. Um, it's strayed. And as I mentioned two weeks ago, when I went on my 40 minute rant about this company is now dead to, from what it used to be. Like, it's gone completely astray from the original mission statement of the company. It's evolved into trying to be like WWE, but they're not WWE. And I just don't know anymore. I, I nothing would surprise me, and I, I think that's kind of sad. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and um, you know, I don't think it's all entirely um, like you know, um, sports entertainment, but it really feels like it is when your world champion is put in like eight storylines at the same time that are all. All kind of very sports entertaining, and uh, it's frustrating for me um, as a fan. And I'm just hoping that at some point we'll get, uh, you know, something a little different here. But yeah, I, I agree completely. As I'm watching Eclair try to use the steps, she's she's looking more comfortable, but man, this this medication is just kicking her tushy. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, me too. Um, and Odie is being a pesky little demon, just like, throw me my ball. Well, <laughs> I'm recording, bud. Um, let's uh, let's go here, Fred, because I think this is important. It's time for the heat check. All right. What do you got first? Well, uh, let me pull it up. Uh, while I'm pulling up, I do want to say quickly that I am excited for this tournament, actually. Um, I've long said that uh, AEW could do the uh, the G1 gimmick, 
the continental classic we're calling it um i think that could be uh tremendous television and uh i hope they pull it off it's not really that hard to book a uh a round robin really as long as no one gets hurt if someone gets hurt it mm-hmm. throws everything in chaos but if you just sit down for a day and just plot it out like you know it's you just tell the guys to wrestle um it's not that hard but anyways um all right i have the card here as tyler has disappeared on my camera um probably completely overestimating how much i was going to talk about the continental classic but it's hard when you got a field of one at the moment. Brian Danielson now. Brian Danielson doing weekly matches is it's very exciting, to me. Um, and uh, I can't wait uh, for that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who else is in there. Um, just hard to say. Yeah. All right, so we don't have a Tyler back yet, but. Screw it. I'm going to get started on the heat check. Tyler is back. Tyler, we have right now nine matches on the Wikipedia listing for full gear. And it's time to find out how excited we are about them. Oh, boy. I'll start with what is scheduled to be on the pre-show. A match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, Tyler. We've got ourselves the guns, Austin and Colton. I can never remember which one of them has the the weird E in their name. And it's always it's Colton, obviously, but I always want to say it's Austin. That's a problem. Uh, they are facing one half of the champions, MJF, and a to be determined fill in partner for Adam Cole. And uh well, on a scale of 1 to 10, Tyler, with 10 being the most excited and 1 being the least, where are you on this Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship match? I'm going to keep it short and succinct. Two, this sucks. Let's move on. That seems a point high to me. I'm going one. <laughs> I'm just not. <laughs> We've said enough about this storyline. It's not working for me. Um, so, fingers crossed for something a little... Maybe we'll get something good out of this and it'll change how I feel. Who knows? I'm not optimistic. All right. Our next match moving on is uh, for the AEW Women's World Championship. It is Hikaru Shida defending against Timeless Tony Storm. Tyler, do you you think this match is going to be in black and white? Yeah. And I'm going to hate it. And I hope not. I hope not. These are two good workers. And it's going to be gimmick shtick because of this timeless Tony character. And look, if you want to do some Marilyn Monroe-inspired stuff, okay, that's fine. Just be a professional wrestler while you're doing it. You, like, you, yeah. you, you don't have to be complete gimmick. You don't have to have Japanese deathmatch legend Luther as a butler. Like, some of this just sucks. And then the inclusion of Mariah May. Trying to like duplicate uh, the Mickey James and uh, Trish Stratus stuff from 0405. I, it sucks. It sucks. Got a number for me, buddy? Uh, I should probably give you a number, huh? Um, look, if the mat, if it ends up being a really uh, like an actual match instead of just shtick, this could be a seven or eight. 
But right now, I'm I'm keeping it arm arm's length because of the time was Tony gimmick, and I'm giving it a four. Yeah, I I got a three for it. Um, I, I you know I I want to kind of like this idea. Uh, I thought last night when they had the segment and Luther was swinging the door open, and uh, you know they they threw it into black and white for those moments and did the the bad audio gimmick um, and all that. You know, I, I thought that was a cute idea. I think they've had several cute ideas in this storyline and it's all been wrapped up in a bow of a bad storyline all around. And um, it, it just, she's not a wrestler. It's not a wrestling gimmick. It's a sports entertainment gimmick. And I think that very much matters here. It's not really uh building to anything i don't think it's all um you know it's all being derived from anything that's really going to benefit it as a wrestling company and as a wrestling product and that's frustrating man it's you know especially because i think tony storm's a good wrestler uh and we're kind of capping the year of of a really down year on um on the AEW women's division, like it's been rough, um, in general. Uh, and we're capping it with timeless Tony Storm, and I just feel like that's you know, just just a real, real bummer. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off 
a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door Uh, but our next match, we'll move on to happier news. We have ourselves a six-man tag of Adam Copeland, Darby Allen, and Sting. As I smash the randomizer button on pro uh, pro wrestling uh, or fire pro wrestling, damn! Um, against Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. Tyler, one to ten. Where are you on this? Ten. I'm really excited for this, and one of the reasons I'm really excited for this is Christian Cage rules. Uh, I think this story has been really well done. The go fuck yourself line from Christian 
when he was hugging Adam Copeland and then just walks away, I thought was amazing. Linking uh, Copeland up with Sting and Darby Allen and the cohesiveness with their beef with Christian Cage and Luchasaurus, I thought, I just think it's great. Um, I don't know it like how this is going to kind of manifest. It's wild that Nick Wing is being put in these big positions, but I love it because he has this massive, massive future and potential. But how can he manifest that and continue to grow? One of the ways you can continue to grow him is by putting him in spots where he can learn from legends. He can learn from great wrestlers. And being the sixth guy, you don't necessarily have to count on him for much. Go in, do a few spots, sell, and that's his role. And I think how they're trying to build him up. Look, pro wrestling is different than it was 10, 12 years ago. If you're a potential dude, you're getting on TV. You don't get to be hidden for a couple years while you figure it out. You're on television. So how they're using him and trying to build him up, I think, has been great. It's better than, I honestly, I think I could have anticipated considering what they had to do with him. And Christian Cage is honestly still the best thing in professional wrestling. And I'm really excited to see how this shapes up. This is Sting's second to last pay-per-view match ever. And uh, maybe third. Well, they're adding pay-per-views left and right, so maybe it's not. But it's one of his last pay-per-view matches. And you know he's going to go all out. Yeah. Um Yeah, I'm hopeful that this will be good. I am slightly hesitant on it just because, you know, I don't think Adam Copeland's been great in his matches so far. Maybe he'll, you know, I don't think he's been bad, mind you, but, you know, it's been like, God, this is a two and a half star match. This is a three star match kind of stuff. Like, you know, above average matches, you know, but like nothing that I would recommend anyone go out of their way um, to go see. Um, so that's my bit of hesitancy, uh, but, uh, I think I'll bump it up to nine officially. Uh, I am looking forward to this quite a bit. I think the storyline has been fantastic. Christian Cage has got to be promo of the year. I mean, I really genuinely believe that. I think he's, uh, basically built a, a high level storyline with his mic skills. Um, and it rules. <laughs> it's fantastic to see. And uh, we got Darby in here, who I think is uh, one of the best wrestlers in the world, like with top 25, probably. Um, and, uh, you know, it's Sting. It's uh, it's going to, it's cool. It's cool to see Sting in 2023, no matter really the circumstances. Our I next Sting. I love oh, Sting. Yeah. Sting rules. Um, he's just, he's awesome. It's just cool to see this guy uh, come out and, do the best that he can, and honestly, it's pretty damn good. Uh, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, but it's working, I think. So, our next match, uh, number four on this list is Jonathan Moxley challenging for the AEW International Championship against Orange Cassidy. Tyler, what you got? Ten. That this has potential to be great. Yes. not just good, but great. Um, I don't like, and we've talked about this before, how like they're billing this as Moxley, Orange Cassidy 2. Same thing that they're billing Adam Page, Swerve Strickland 2. The way they got here wasn't lazy booking, but the fact that they wanted to get here 
feels a little lazy, conceptually lazy, not in practice, if that makes sense. Like, I get that you didn't want Moxley to lose the international title at Grand Slam, and this is kind of a roundabout way to get it back to him. But, man, I don't like this. Um, But the match itself is going to kick ass. Uh, Orange Cassidy is a little bit more violent when he's wrestling John Moxley. And Moxley is, like, you could argue him for uh, most outstanding in Flerthez. And I don't think I would blink on it because he's just been that good, that consistent. And he's worked across multiple promotions and drawn in multiple promotions. It's awesome. Yeah, I think it's um I think he's a candidate for top 10 in both awards uh, that you mentioned, both the MVP and best in ring. And uh I think he's uh he's had a fantastic year. I you know, their last match at the, the you know, that made have been whatever pay-per-view it was. Um I can't remember the name of it because my brain's smooth uh, was fantastic. I I thought that was a great match and uh, I'm really excited for them to replicate it. I would have preferred that we do this like over a six month period, but I just kind of think AEW is kind of incapable of that at this point in time, uh, which is a damn shame. Uh, But I'm still excited for this match a lot. Uh, I got it at a, a 10 um, you know, we had the, the Moxley concussion, uh, the kind of necessitated a short term deviation from plans, uh, with Phoenix as champion, but that was very short lived. And, uh, you know, I think, um, I think it's, uh, gonna rule. Now, I, I do think it's a little funny that we've now had two circumstances of Moxley. I assume, I assume this is what happened with uh, Dynamite last night, but him pushing for a build to a pay-per-view match that is basically, I beat your ass real bad, and then uh, you probably win at the pay-per-view. And uh, I don't know, I just think that's, you know, after the CM Punk thing. So I think that's just kind of notable and interesting, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, Next up is a Texas death match between Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. Tyler, where are you at? God, this could be match of the year stuff uh, if they do it right. Um, I'm at a 10. Like, I don't like how some of this has gone, the home invasion thing, and then how Hangman reacted the home invasion thing like in the, in the, the next couple weeks. I thought kind of sucked. But... These two are going to deliver. And Adam Page is great with these Texas death matches. And I think Swerve needs to win. He needs to put Page away. And you need to elevate him and do it now. Uh, He is so charismatic, so confident, and so good bell to bell. It's time. It's time for the big Swerve Strickland push. I agree, though. I, I hope we don't do any more uh, super, you know, our, our comic book uh, villain nonsense with the home invasions. I think that kind of, eh, I thought the page one didn't exactly work. Uh, but I do think Swerve is a tremendous performer. And um, I, I'm looking forward to this match a lot. I'm at a 10 on this one. Uh, this is what I'm, I'm the most excited for. And it's been a hot minute since I've been this excited about an AEW match. Um, I watched, uh, I finished the last episode of Collision this morning, and the Hangman Page promo on there made me less afraid of the police. 
Um, I think uh, he was also fantastic in the promo segment with Swerve on uh, with Dynamite. Um, and I can't imagine them not delivering a fantastic match on Saturday night. I think these two could really steal the show. They really and could, this man. Is, this is kind of the frustrating part of the um, of this company right now because you know we talked about this, the Christian Cage storyline, which is quite good, really good. We talked about Mox Orange Cassidy, which, despite some injury issues and maybe being a bit rushed, in my opinion, uh, is quite good. And Hangman Swerve, and, and next up to spoil it is uh, the Golden Jets against the Young Bucks. I think these are all like really strong storylines. I think this could. You have an argument here that uh, this is the best built pay per view for uh, AEW in possibly since uh, Revolution towards the start of the year, um, and uh, but I'm just so out on the main event scene that it's dragging it down, and it's very frustrating as a fan for that to be the case. But yeah, uh, Swerve and Hangman could have another. It would not surprise me if it hit five stars on my scale or even went a little higher because uh, I'm a weirdo like that. Um, I, I'm super excited for this, so I'm hoping for the best. Uh, and uh, next up is, as I mentioned, the Young Bucks against the Golden Jets of Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. Uh, they are uh, they got a gimmick uh, stipulation here where if the Golden Jets win, they get the Young Bucks uh, World Tag Team title shot. And if the Young Bucks win, the Golden Jets have to break up. Um, Tyler, 1 to 10, where are you at? God, the stipulation is stupid, but the match is going to be great. So I, I'm going to balance it out. It's going to be an eight for me. Um, the Golden Jets, like, here's the thing with the Golden Elite. You know what the where the gold comes from? Kota Ibushi, not Kenny Omega. Kota Ibushi. So how do they get Golden Jets? The the Jets thing is because they're both from Winnipeg. Makes sense. Yeah, right. Golden. Uh, what what are we talking well, about? The Omega was the Chris golden Jericho? Lovers. Omega was the golden lovers with Ibushi, so yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't that, carry the over. The gold came from the golden star, not Kenny Omega. So, so for me, it's an annoyance. Is I, Kenny I just, Omega I, by himself a lover? Is that what we're saying with the nickname? I guess. Okay. Like, All right. But you, you don't get gold without Ibushi. So to I just me, don't it's think. Dumb. The Jet Lovers is uh, gonna gonna sell as many T-shirts, unfortunately. No, um, Eclair is barking outside because Odie's playing with her. So I'm nice keeping nice. an eye out. Oh, I don't, I don't think she can see. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's a tough one, but the match should be good. Um, yeah. I do think it's interesting that uh, I think the Young Bucks are zero and two all time against Kenny Omega in tag matches. Um, we know the Golden Lovers match from Walter Pyramid in New Japan. We know the Revolution tag in 2020 uh, against uh, with Hangman Page. Uh, I'm interest, interested to see what happens here because I don't think that Omega and Jericho break up. But then, do like, I, I don't know. This storyline is kind of convoluted bullshit to me. But I'm willing to let it play out. And even though a lot of things haven't played out for the best in this company recently, I'm willing to let it. I think this one is pretty obviously setting up for a Young Bucks loss. 
to, to further their heel turn. Um, along with the, the quick kicks to the dicks uh, in their tag match. Um, I think it's just, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious to me that that's going to be the finish of this match. Uh, I would be surprised if it went the other way. Um, because then they'll be more hurt and upset about losing, and also they'll feel betrayed by Kenny and, you know, etc. So, uh, is it a little silly we're back to drama within the elite again after, you know, big reconciliation earlier this year that, that lasted like six months, maybe? Yeah, but, you know, here we are. So, our next match is for the AEW TBS Championship between the champion Chris Statlander and her challengers, Julia Hart and Sky Blue. Tyler, where are you at? I think Julia Hart needs to win this. Um, I'm at a five. Sky Blue's character right now doesn't make any sense. Um, it also doesn't make sense that she's like this tweener and she looks like the mystery machine. Um, Spooky do. I'm not. I'm not saying she looks like a, like a, like a van, but her gear is obviously inspired by Scooby Doo's mystery machine. Right. Uh, yeah. Color scheme and everything. It's. It just it's just weird, and Sky Blue is just kind of a jag, or j- like instead of just another guy, she's just another girl. Another she's gal. Nothing really special about her in the ring, and like I'm kind of sick of Sky Blue. Uh, I think the Statlander reign has kind of been overall disappointing. I don't necessarily think that's all her fault, but they need something different. And Julia Hart, she's still a little bit green in the ring. Her character works tremendous. She's arguably the best part of the House of Black act. And I think moving this title in a different direction could be a breath of fresh air in the women's division. And I think that it needs it. I also think that they shouldn't have two women's titles right now because they, can, they can't even book one of them. And it's and, rough. Yeah. It, this has been know, better than Timeless Tony. I will give them yes. that credit. Um, it, it's just frustrating that like this division on its own isn't deep enough for two titles and we're running two titles. And I think that's why sky blue continues to get these opportunities. Here's the thing is I, I think it is on paper deep enough, you know, there's injuries that'll happen and stuff, but like, you know, we've got Emmy Sakura, Riho and Yuka Sakazaki under contract Penelope Ford. Um, uh, we had the bunny until she asked to get out, uh, probably because she wasn't being used any. We've got Mercedes Martinez. We've got Diamante. Uh, we've got Athena and Billy Starks down in Ring of Honor. Um, Red Velvet has actually been surprisingly solid since her return. Um, okay, let's talk about Red Velvet for a second. She's coming out in an apron. Yeah, sexy apron that you got from like Victoria's Secret. No. I know she's uh, from her mama's kitchen. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, you know, it's, my wife people, buried it hard this week. <laughs> people that yeah, well, your wife rules one, two. Yeah. It, people talk <laughs> about the the element of this being WCW. You know what this feels like? Like 1990 WCW, when you have all these wild gimmicks and like Kevin Nash has Oz. I don't like, think it's that bad, but I get where you're coming from. It's, uh, it's the aesthetic it's, is that bad. It's not a great aesthetic. I I agree. Um, I don't think it adds. (laughs) I think it detracts. Um, Red Velvet's a a solid worker, but 
Yeah, I'm surprised she's still so good after I think a torn ACL. Like she just bounced right back like it was nothing. So, well, on a return, torn so ACLs aren't what they used to be, man. They, no, they it's aren't. especially with pro wrestling. Um, it was more a ring rust concern, I should say, than just like the outright ACL tear. But yeah, uh, yeah, um, good on her to you know like be a fresh of it, fresh a breath of fresh air. Damn, uh, in this division. Um, but yeah, I, I think right now the way the division is being booked it is not deep enough to support two women's championships. Uh, I think that they could theoretically get there. Uh, but ever since they decided that the, the Joshi were not going to be uh, their, you know, Monday Nitro style luchadors, um, I think that, you know, we're just kind of in this tough position. Uh, now, if it is Mercedes Monet coming in on Saturday, um, that'll be a nice, you know, nice boost. Uh, pretty damn meaningful. Um, but, you know, I, I have concerns about that, too, because, I mean, she, she's she's great, obviously. Monet is a fantastic worker and would be a big addition to the company. I am not saying anything against that. Um, what I am concerned about is, I mean who are you going to pair her with for her first storyline? Is it going to be t- timeless Tony storm or is it going to be goth Julia Hart? And, uh, you know, I think both have got, you know, less so Julia to some extent, but still, I think both could be a little too heavy on the gimmickry. Um, and I think that you should just have Monet come in as a, uh, as basically an ass whipper, you know, and, uh, I worry that we won't, that she'll instead be drawn into some, you know, sports entertainment nonsense, but to be seen, uh, that's all rather, uh, uh, speculative on my part. Uh, I'll give this match a four out of 10. Uh, I, it could be good, uh, I guess, but I'm not, I wouldn't bet money on it. Uh, this looks pretty easily like, you know, at least in terms of in-ring talent, the weakest on the on the card. Um, but we'll see how it goes. So, uh, our next to last match on this list is a four-way tag match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, with the champions Ricky Starks and Big Bill facing off against uh, the faction uh, Ingobernable of Rouge and Drillistico, uh, FTR. And the Kings of the Black Throne, all challenging for those belts. Uh, we got ourselves a classic AEW throw a tag match together gimmick for the pay-per-view. Tyler, 1 to 10, where are you at? Anytime you'd see Big Bill and Ricky Starks wrestle together, it's special. Uh, honestly, this just feels mishmashed and thrown together. I'm at a 5. You could have really built something up, and you didn't. And now you get a four-way. Definitely and afterthought. I look. Could this be good? Sure. Do I care? No. And we used to go into some of these pay-per-views really caring about every match. I don't. I don't care about this. I really don't. They have given me no reason to care about this, and that's frustrating. This is uh. Uh, no, I think the match will be good. I'm at a six. I, I'm slightly higher just because of the names involved, but I also think there's going to be like a, a cap on how good this is going to be because it's going to be like a, a 12 or 14-minute four-way match. Uh, so there will be a lot of fun spots, but it will just kind of, you know, be like, you know, like uh, just sugar. You know, just just it's it's enjoyable for a moment, and then it's gone. 
Um, and I would have definitely preferred if we could have had like Starks and Big Bill against FTR in a proper 25 minute match or something, but you know, down the road, probably maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think this is, uh, we're, we're, they're borrowing from the women's division here, Tyler. Uh, we we got ourselves a classic four corners match, the, the four way tag. Um, and uh, you remember throwing... WrestleMania 20 where they had two of them for the oh, tag yeah. team titles? Yeah, because they, well, I, I, at least with that, you can justify it with we want to get everyone on the card for their biggest match of the year or biggest show of the year. Yeah, I, I will, I won't knock that, you know. I, you know, there's plenty to say about how WWE treats and treated their tag division, especially back then. Uh, but at least they got everyone a payday, you know. So that was nice. They got them on the DVDs when those were a big deal. Can't really knock that too much. Um, this is a hundred percent just like ah, let's add a tag match, and who should they face? Uh, we haven't built anyone, so let's make it three teams. Yeah, it sucks. Not exactly uh, Booker of the Year award stuff here. Um, nope. And continuing that, we have in our main event, uh, Jay White challenging MJF for the AW World Championship. Uh, Tyler, one, I'll ask you where you are on this one on the 1 to 10 scale. But two, I'll also ask you, um, what do you think? Um, do, we, do we get actual progression on the Devil's storyline, or are we going to just kind of pedal in place some more and not move anywhere on the stationary bike of a, of a story. We all know that Tony Khan loves the slow burn. But to be honest, I think that this is going to be one of those situations where they actually advance the storyline somewhat significantly. They've done a lot with the devil on television lately. They had the attacks on the acclaimed and they continue to have Adam Cole on television on a TV in the back. I really think that they're going to finally advance the storyline. And the match itself, MJF and Jay White, could be really good. Could also stink. I, I, I really don't know how to view the match. If, if Jay White's got his working boots on and doesn't want to do complete shtick, this has like the ceiling of almost a five-star match. I think it's probably going to end up about four and a quarter, four and a half, depending on your mileage with Jay White. But I do think that they find a way to get the devil involved. And I think we're going to end the pay-per-view with the revealing of the devil. I hope so. At least we'll get some kind of progression on this. Um, and maybe we'll we'll get it into next strong Roderick Strong. God bless. Um, yeah, I uh, did you give a number? I had to step away for a second there. I didn't because I'm too preoccupied with my dogs today. Um, I'm at a I'm at a seven and a half. All right, that's fair. I'm at a I'm at a seven. Uh, I think this match could be very good. Actually, I think both MJF and Jay White are. It's kind of easy to forget that they're both great workers. Um, they both have their uh, weaknesses. Their um, not even weaknesses. Uh, peccadillos about uh, doing things that I think run counter to what good wrestling is. Um, 
So with both of them in a match, there's a possibility that they'll both go down those routes and like have, oof, you know, not exactly stellar, uh, you know, the stellar match. But I, they could also have like a, a near five star classic. It's on the table. Um, I don't know. Uh, I hope this is good. I, I think these guys could, you know, both put on a great match um, together. And they could really steal the show. It's just a question of if they're going to allow it or if it's going to turn into, you know, like over, you know, super melodramatic, um, like the all-in match between Cole and MJF or something along those lines. I could easily see that happening too. So, I don't know. Fingers crossed here. I hope they aren't, don't, you know, end this one on a stinker. Um, but I guess we're going to see. Um and as for the double reveal, you know, I'm more, I'm not even excited for it. It's just more of a please let it happen. Um, that's really where I am with it. So, but, you know, it's an AEW pay-per-view. And the last time they missed with one of those was, God, it would have had to have been. All out 2020? Yeah, maybe 2020, if not 2021. Uh, it was probably the show where Matt Hardy tried to die. And uh, was it? I oh think yeah, Rick, that ladder match with Sammy Guevara. Yeah, which he got it obviously pretty damn hard in early and couldn't perform. And then I want to. I hope I'm getting the right ref here. It. I think it was Rick Knox. Uh, I can't swear to that. Who just let the match continue? And uh, I think Knox is. I think Knox is a bad ref in terms of stopping matches for injuries because. He also was the ref for the the Mox concussion match um, with Ray Phoenix earlier this year, and and Mox was like so obviously hurt in that, and uh, Rick Knox didn't really do anything to uh, like, hey, we should stop this match. Uh, he just kind of let it go, and you know, it, it's not a good look when uh, John Moxley, one of your major stars, goes and does an interview about how you need concussion spotters and kind of reveals that you don't have concussion spotters. Um, you're not some two-bit indie. You should have a concussion spotter, like someone that is literally just their job. Uh, in, in 2023, that's such a low bar to clear. So I, I hope that they took that advice to heart. Uh, and it's kind of sad that you know, may have t- you know, this, uh, with Moxley, I think he just says what he's thinking. Uh, so I don't really so much take this as him uh, necessarily feeling like he had to take it public to get it done. Uh, I just really hope it wasn't that. But uh, yeah, so that's the sh- that's the show as of right now. It wouldn't surprise me to get like one or two more added. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, uh, just a quick note. I just got an email to me from WrestleNomics, uh, their Patreon, uh, which of course is wonderful. Um, the key, AEW key performance indicators for quarter three of 2023, and uh, man, everything is down. <laughs> um, pretty much, uh, it is. You know, not great. I guess YouTube views are up, but like TV ratings, uh, depending on the show, uh, Dynamite and Rampage. Uh, Dynamite's down 14% of the key demo. Rampage is down year over year, 19% of the key demo. Um, 
Rampage is down 20% overall in viewership, and Dynamite is down 11% overall in viewership. And overall, TBS and TNT are basically a push year over year um, in terms of their overall ratings. I, I still think that, like, in general, AW is doing well with ratings, but, like, you know, compared to what they could have reasonably been expected to. But it's been a rough year. I think it really mm-hmm. has been hard on this company right now. Uh, just had to get that in there real quick because it literally came in my email box right now. Um, great service. You should subscribe to it. Yes. Um, yeah, that, so... People are just down on wrestling in general. It's not an AEW-only thing. It's a, it isn't. It, it's worldwide. Um, yeah. I think the only company that's truly showing real growth is cmll well all japan maybe too all japan yeah it's wrestling just kind of i don't know everything's cyclical with wrestling it aw is real hot for a couple years and they cool down and it's it's their own attrition it's also their own own ticket prices like they're creative i think is a major factor too Mm mm-hmm um so yeah um we'll see how the show goes on saturday fingers crossed it's good uh tyler we're gonna do a live uh production meeting on the air right now i guess uh i don't think we're going to be recording on thursday since that's thanksgiving um uh, just mm-hmm. a gut feeling here uh do you want to record monday or tuesday just do a quick uh recap of the pay-per-view kind of situation or i, th- I think we should um yeah we'll We'll, figure you out and the I will, details on that. Yeah, you and I will figure out the details to kind of check in. Um, that sounds good. I might be able to do Sunday if you want. Um, Vikings. Don't I have play. a. I have an obligation on Sunday. I'm going to a burgoo party. I don't know what that is. Burgoo is a Kentucky stew. So I'm going Ooh. to go to a guy's house, and he's got a big cauldron that he's going to make a big old stew in. And uh, hell yeah. Um, it it sounds like the Kentucky equivalent of like a seafood boil. Yeah, basically. Um, only with critters instead of sea critters. Um, uh, and also other big news for the podcast that because I am very good at putting together a format sheet, I uh, put at the end of the show instead of the beginning. Uh, in the very near future, we are going to be hosting a special guest on our podcast for a very special episode. Uh, the date is to be determined, but we will be hosting one Dave Meltzer on the podcast to talk about uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame some. But also, he did this a few years ago, uh, a few times with Mike Simpervivi on their shows, and it was called Sin Limite. And basically, it was just two hours of Dave answering questions about professional wrestling's history. Uh, and I really want to recreate this. <laughs> Uh, I think this is an awesome opportunity to pick the brains of one of the most knowledgeable guys about professional wrestling. So what I need you, the listener, and you, Tyler, why not, uh, to do is to uh, email questions to the podcast email address, which is hungypod, that's H-U-N-G-E-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Again, H-U-N-G-E-E-P-O-D at gmail.com and uh, send in a question you'd like Dave to answer. I do request, this is just my personal opinion, uh, don't do any like 
you know, who, who should be the next three world champions and no fantasy or, booking questions. No fantasy booking questions. One, those always suck. And two, I think Dave is so literal minded. God bless him. I think he's awesome, but he's very literal minded and he does not particularly answer those really well. Uh, I think just as a, you know, just as a personal uh, opinion. Uh, but we would love to have your questions. We would love to ask him about uh, whatever you're wondering about professional wrestling. And um, it doesn't have to be tied to AEW. It doesn't have to be tied to modern wrestling. It doesn't have to be tied to the Hall of Fame. It can be about whatever you're wondering about. And, um, you know, we'd love to ask him uh, your great and insightful questions. So feel free to share those. Alternatively, if you don't want to do the email, we do have our own channel in the uh, Voices of Wrestling Discord. Uh, You can find it on the list of shows on the left under The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry. And uh, just drop your question in there, and uh, we'll use that form, form as well. But yeah, I'm really excited for that, Tyler. Uh, I've been listening to Dave for years and years now, and uh, getting to talk with him one-on-one um, after Thanksgiving at some point uh, is very exciting to me. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Um, I am just overly fascinated about talking to people who are incredibly knowledgeable about a singular subject, who are just overly smart as you might be able to hear Odie chewing on a bone literally right by my feet. Um, It's going to be really cool. I have no idea what the hell I want to ask Dave, but I'm sure you and I will talk about it over the course of the next Yeah, I got to get a notebook going. (laughs) I got to just start jotting stuff down. Um, Yeah, it'll be really awesome. So I'm very excited for that. and we do have written confirmation from him he wants to do the show so it's really cool um yeah i uh, we can pressure him for a uh uh hall of fame ballot for me i'm kidding <laughs> i'm not gonna do that uh but yeah i'm i'm very excited it's gonna be really cool and i think most importantly i think it's gonna be really cool for our listeners to be able to hear dave do something different audio wise uh and dive into some of that history and try and figure things out from there. I think this will be really cool. Yeah. Uh, once in a lifetime opportunity, really, uh, possibly. And uh, we want to extend that to everyone that's interested in the history of wrestling. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Tyler, I think that is all I have on my uh, on my brain when it comes to AW. Um, do you have anything you want to share? Go Vikings. They won five in a row. It's been fun. Um, it's with a, their third string quarterback they traded for. Fourth string quarterback, technically. Fourth string? Oh, who? who? So there was obviously Cousins, and then... Um... Nick Mullins was on IR. He was the backup. Jaron Hall was the third string. and then Oh, yeah. Mullins, okay. Yeah. And then they have Sean Mannion on the practice squad. Look, Kevin O'Connell should probably win coach of the year for how he's... Yeah, it's very impressive to be able yeah. to do this. Um, and the Vikings have a history of backup quarterbacks. They've made... In my lifetime, the NFC Championship game four times, and they made it a once prior in 87, like really close. In that, in those five games, they made three of them with backup quarterbacks. Uh, Cunningham, right? Cunningham, and... Cunningham, Wade Wilson, which Wade Wilson's an interesting one because he was the backup to Tommy Kramer. Then yeah. they kind of flip-flopped the starting job for a while. They flipped that around several times that year, yeah. No, that decade. This, yes. Um, I consider him a backup. Correct. And then... Uh, Case Keenum 2017. So Yeah, that's right. I forgot about Keenum. Um 
It, who was the guy? I remember they got um someone from the Chiefs that I really was like, oh, this guy could be sneaky good, and then they've got Brett Favre, and I can't remember that guy's name right now. Um, it was like literally the same year. No, uh, you're thinking the guy they got from the Chiefs was Matt Castle, but that came after Brett Favre. Oh, was that after Favre? Yeah. Okay, my bad. Because remember, yeah. Tom Brady tore his ACL in 2008. Matt Castle got the start. Got the start. Led them to an 11 and five record, and they're the only 11 win team to miss the playoffs in NFL history. That yeah. probably changes with the 17 game regular season, but they were 11 and five, and they missed the playoffs via, via tiebreaker. Um, and then they traded him to the Chiefs uh, that offseason for a couple second round picks, and he started a few years, and then he ended up as a backup for the Vikings. And yeah, I know way too much. <laughs> it's always good in their stuff. All right. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the show. Uh, Tyler, give them the info. You can follow us on Twitter at um, GoodBadHungy. You can email us at HungyPod at gmail.com. We're also available in the Voices of Wrestling Discord. You can find myself and Fred on the Blue Sky. I am still on Twitter at the Real Forno, And we will talk to you after full gear. Happy Thanksgiving to all that celebrate it. And uh, have a good one. Enjoy the pay-per-view. Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio. Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.